You're a swimmer, a cyclist, a runner. You're a triathlete. You're a conqueror of the multi-sport mentality. You seek greatness in your everyday life. But as an age grouper, your forte is the physical fitness that you strive for. Endurance is your middle name. You're listening to the Age Grouper for Life podcast, the ultimate source for living the triathlon lifestyle. Colin and Elliot will discuss the most optimal training techniques to get you where you want to be mentally and physically so you're ready to bring it. You can do it. Ready to bring it? Welcoming your host, Peak Triathlon and USAT certified coaches, Colin Cook and Elliot Kawaoka. Hello, everybody. How you doing? This is Colin Cook with... Hey, guys. It's Elliot. This is uh, episode 28, where we're going to do a little race recap with Mr. Kaoka here, and then we're going to talk a little bit about mental side of training and uh, primarily when it's time to take a break and, and some things around that. So um, what's the good word, Elliot? Wait, so are you ready to take a break already? <laughs> <laughs> I just took one a little bit longer than maybe I should have, uh, but. Uh, um, <laughs> and you have Tremblant coming up. Yeah, yeah, that's what kind of woke me up here. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay, here. come on, we're gonna focus on you. We've been focused on me the last two episodes. Oh yeah. Focus on you a little bit here. So my turn to be the uh, interviewer here. So, um, so you had a little race what two weeks ago now? Yeah, June 2nd. Uh, we raced up in Victoria, me and my wife, Becca. And, yeah, it was kind of – it was the first triathlon since Canada last year, so I was actually kind of nervous. Like, I mean, I've been coaching, self-coached, and just kind of trusting what I my knowledge and just training pretty hard and – but, I mean, it's the first race of the year, so, I mean, there's just so many unknowns. So I was a little bit more nervous than I usually am for races. and But I think that's a good thing. and um, I do, too. Yeah. I do, too. When you don't get it too much where it affects your eating and sleep and stuff like that, you know, if you can – I do think that, that nerves overall are, are a good thing. It just means we're both mentally and physically getting prepared. So are you saying that you, you still get nervous for all your races or just your, your big races? Um, it depends. Sometimes I don't even have time to get nervous. Like I'm too busy with other things, to be honest with you. Um, and then sometimes, uh, yeah, but like right before the gun goes off, always almost even like five K's, I get nervous and kind of anxious right, right before the gun goes. I think. But I think that's a great feeling. And I think that's what yeah. kind of makes me keep coming back is like, you just right. can't replicate that kind of feeling in training. And it's hard to describe to people like how you feel. And it's a different kind of nervous where if you go into a race just untrained and you're nervous just because you don't really know how you're going to do versus I know I'm in good shape and I'm nervous because I'm just I know I'm ready to go and I'm ready to race. I mean there's totally. two different kinds of nervous feelings I guess. And that's obviously the feeling you had going into this one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean I knew I mean I've been working real hard in the pool and um my run times have been a lot faster and running and my test runs that i've been doing and yeah so i knew my swim and my run were going to be way better and 
Yeah, I mean, it's actually the first time I broke 30 minutes in a swim. Which is amazing to me because I've gone like six Ironmans swimming under an hour. So it's just, it kind of blows my mind why I haven't been able to do that. It is quite comical. Yes, I was really going to expose that. You beat me to the punch here. But uh, that, that really doesn't add up. You know, you can swim sub one hour in an Ironman, but you can't swim sub 30 and a half Ironman. Yeah. But I really think the the masters group that I've been swimming with here has yeah. been really helping, and um, I mean even though the practices are only an hour, I've been swimming five days a week, and actually we live on Can a lake really? five times. Wow, yeah. that's a lot. And we live on a lake too, so I mean all my all my recovery sessions at the, at the end of the day, I just throw on my wetsuit and jump in the lake and swim like an easy lap. So that's I think that's been helping too, but for sure. What was the uh, the water like? Was it choppy or smooth or like what was what was it like there? It was actually really nice and really straightforward. It's something that I actually like about the Ironman races. Is just there's so many buoys. It's a rectangle. I mean, you really just don't have to sight. I mean, I lined up in the front and you just kind of follow feet the entire time. And I mean, you'd have to be pretty blind to go off course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully I'm staying the obvious here, but uh, ocean swim? It's a lake swim. It is a lake. Okay. Yeah. All right. Got it. Okay. Um, cool. So relatively, you know, minimal chop as well. Yeah. Very minimal chop. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a fast swim. I mean, you look at times from every year, and I mean, I thought if I mean I told myself at the beginning of the race, if I don't go under thirty, then something's wrong, and I need to like fix this because. My pool times are faster. I've proved in Ironman I can pretty much always go under an hour. And for some reason, I was always like 31 minutes in a 70.3, so. Yeah. And so what did you, what do you, I mean, so the swim training, but what about race itself? Did you have some feet that you followed and like a group, yeah, like, so, was, it a, was it a TT start? start yeah, or? yeah, so it was uh, a rolling start and Believe it or not, I, I lined up in like the, in the sub. I think it was a sub twenty seven group. So I was a little. Oh, well, you weren't far off. I mean, uh, yeah, I was a little off, but I mean, it's amazing to me when I start. How many people I kind of like pass immediately? So, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I I did it too, I guess, because I'm not that fast. But there are a lot of swimmers that just go in the front that really don't belong there. So yeah, I've kind of yeah, learned you're that. Always going to get that, but I mean, to that for listeners, uh, our recommendation definitely is always to go out and get a little bit aggressive with your, you know, timing or positioning in the swim because it's a lot easier um, to to be, you know, swimming or let people catch you than it is to swim over people. Yeah. Um, so I mean, my main advice around. is like, as an age grouper, take advantage of all the people in the. <laughs> all the good swimmers i mean if you get passed by one pack there's an always another pack right behind you that you can just jump onto and i mean i think fast triathlon swims all come down to just finding good feet to follow or good pack to follow and so what what do you think your effort level percentage wise out of 100 percent was was for this swim? um actually not that high like yeah 80 percent maybe 75 okay. percent yeah okay i mean not all out but definitely like i mean you you want to feel i I mean i guess it's a general feeling you have during a 70.3 is it's like you want you want to be feeling uncomfortable but you want to 
have a maintainable effort throughout the entire the entire race. So yeah, wouldn't sure. you say like maybe like an eighty percent, eighty five percent? That's what you're just dis- when when you describe how you felt there. I would think you probably were more in that range or yeah. whatnot, the eighty to eighty five, yeah. um, which I think is right. Um, but uh, now, just curious uh, for our listeners there and whatnot. Um, but in masters, I mean, I really, I mean, we do a lot of anaerobic work, and I think that's something that a lot of people need to need to incorporate in their training. And it's kind of it's really hard. I mean, I can't even do that in my training alone in a pool i mean it's sometimes i i'm at masters and i look at my watch i'm like oh my god i can't believe i just swam that (laughs) so that's awesome i think just having a group and not even in the pool i mean just having groups to train with with people faster than you really helps i feel like yeah totally and yeah I'm, i'm sure you know and do you feel like you open water swam having your house now in a lake that you live on uh, more than you did leading up to races last oh, year and for sure day? for sure and i don't know i always had this thing in my mind like my first open water swim of the year always went pretty crappy and i just wasn't i wasn't really satisfied but i've met some good swimmers in the area and i've invited them invited them over and i've just that's exactly what i practice is just trying to stay on feet and just really working hard to just follow a draft and and swimming hard and it's i don't know pool swimming and open water swimming is a lot different if you're not i mean i'm not like a i mean we're both not true swimmers so we kind of have to learn like both pool swimming and open water swimming absolutely yeah and i mean i think uh uh, the majority, if not all of our listeners are probably in that same boat. So, um, I think there's a lot to take away from that. And, uh, we could spend a whole episode talking about swimming, I think, and, uh, maybe we should do that sometime soon here, but, uh, bravo. So actually the swim time, according to Ironman was 2836. So not even breaking 30, broke 29, almost 29 and a half or 28 and a half, excuse me. So good deal. Came out of the water ninth, 42 gender, 61st overall. So, that's legit, man. Nice job. Yep. At it. And I always uh, tell people, I mean, you can't okay. really, you don't lose the, you don't lose the race on the swim. But I like, I mean, it's getting to the point whether you're a, you're an amateur or professional, like, you have to be kind of strong all across the board. So I tell people, you don't yep. want to skip on your swims. I mean, you want to be in the race still, or it's just yeah, not 100%. fun playing catch up the entire day. Yeah. I mean, I think there's two ways to look at it. I think it's a little bit contradictory, but, um, you know, you need to be able to swim efficiently. And, you know, typically as you get faster, you're also learning how to swim more efficiently and, and, you know, you're going to spend less energy to go faster, which is huge. Um, And then, yeah, if you're, you know, under swim trained, you're definitely going to feel it on the bike and run. I think it's going to significantly affect your bike and run performance. So there's a, a couple important things with that that you need to really make sure that you're uh or why the you know i think it's valuable and shows up a lot more than your time um yeah. you know that i mean what's said, your though, what's your point on that i mean i know we really we have metrics to follow on the bike whereas like you have the vi if you have like if you're not pretty un- inconsistent on the bike you're not going to run well but like index, yeah right vi yep right yep. but what about the swim i mean does anyone ever say oh, i swam too hard that's why my whole other rest of the race went horribly i mean i just feel that's like a very good point i don't think i've ever had anybody tell me that oh you know i, I swam too hard yeah yeah 
Um, yeah, uh, that that's fair. I mean, uh, I just definitely. feel like you should swim pretty hard, and you wanted you don't want to fall too far behind. So it shouldn't be like, oh, swim easy, bike hard to catch everyone else, and then and then just. I mean, it's. I feel like you just you have to be strong at all three things, or you're just. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess where I was going to go next, though, is the same time as let's say you know you're shooting to swim sub thirty, you pop out of the water at thirty twenty or even thirty one something, like it's one minute in your day, right? Yeah. And you got to be able to accept what your swim was, even if it was great. You swam a minute faster, awesome. You know, you still got obviously a lot of work to do, and you don't want to get too high just from from having a good swim. Um, so you know, you need to be able to just take everything in stride, good or bad. Right. Like, I mean, my wife, for example, she swam a 32, which is an awesome Awesome. swim. I mean, I wasn't hitting that time until my sixth year in the sport, seventh year in the sport. Crazy. And Yeah, she's put in the work, too, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, she's made a lot of improvements. But it's just, I mean, you add up all the times throughout the day, and then you kind of look back, and you're like, wow, I lost four minutes on the swim next to my competitors and it's just I, I guess that's kind of what it's so enticing about triathlon is just you always have something to work on and no oh, matter how perfect you think your day went i mean there's always something that you can work on so 100 percent, no doubt yeah uh, cool looks like the transitions were relatively short and straightforward there yeah and this place if you've never been to victoria I would say it's nicer than Whistler. I mean the oh yeah, I don't, the whole town just very clean. Everyone's pretty nice. I mean, it's just a lot of I don't know. It just seemed like a very clean, um, quaint town. I mean, I I yeah. would highly recommend that. I mean, it was probably how, one of my most a, favorite com- seventy point threes I've done. Nice. Um, how about accommodation-wise? Is this like stuff close to the transition and everything, and yeah. logistically pretty? I mean, easy? we did Airbnbs, and there's plenty of plenty of Airbnbs. I mean, I think we stayed for like fifty dollars a night in someone's basement, so it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really classing it up now. You got a wife here, Elliot? Huh? Yep. <laughs> I go. We well, either staying at Motel Six or we're going cheap with the Airbnbs. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Because we got a big All schedule right. ahead of us. We got Coeur d'Alene, we got Whistler, we got maybe in, maybe Indian Wells, and so. Is that it? There's no other maybes in there. Uh, there's one other maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll leave it at that. But I think uh, some people may be able to imply that uh, race that goes on in October that could be considered there. <laughs> um, but uh, all right, on to the bike, man. So. Um, I, I hear it's a pretty, it's like a rolling course, pretty honest. Yeah, good, a uh, lot of turns, course. one loop, kind of goes around like the, like, Victoria. So, I mean, I, I like that. I mean, I don't like the looped courses and just seeing things once. It kind of just makes the day go by a little faster because, you know, once you see one thing, you never have to see it again. So, so that's what kind of, I don't know, and it's very, it was very a lot of turns and plenty of things to keep you distracted throughout the whole course so i mean the bike went by fairly quickly i mean it wasn't that fast of a bike course i mean i felt like i rode fairly hard but 
Yeah, I mean, I know my bike isn't one of my biggest strengths, but I try not to lose too much ground. And yeah, I mean, I think I rode pretty steady throughout. And there's there's a few hills, and I always just feel good when I kind of ride up on the women's pro field, and I know like okay, I'm in a fairly good position because I know there's not too many amateurs ahead of me. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so you biked uh, two thirty-two. Um, that's about where you're usually at, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to be faster. I mean, I look at some of those. I mean, I kind of always look at pro times and I look at the top amateur times, and it's where I'm kind of losing my races. I mean, it's significant chunks out of the. I mean, if you look at all three splits, I think I'm losing the most on the bike. So it's definitely yeah. something I got to work on. But, I mean, I guess that's why you do these races is you just, it really shows you what you need to work on before your bigger events. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we'll get you focused on the uh, peak out-season program kind of general things this winter, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. All right. And then, you know, so, and nutritionally everything, you feel feeling good? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was... Well. I know I'm in good shape when I'm racing when I guess my mind doesn't really wander but you kind of just you're feeling good you're hitting like your power that you need to your heart rate's right where you need to be you're feeling good I feel like when your mind when my mind kind of like thinks about other things I'm in good shape and like I I know like I'm racing well I don't I guess that's kind of an odd thing to say i think the brownlee brothers actually talked about it once how they're racing and they just know they're in good shape when they're swimming and they just think about other things and they're still in the race and you just are just that fit that you just can do that (laughs) so i mean i i kind of felt like that i mean it you i look back on the race and i really just feel like i mean I, I raced to my potential. I mean, nothing really drastically went wrong. My nutrition went fine, and I mean, so I felt good. So did you have good. a goal for power or anything like that? Yeah. Um, I used, I actually used our FTP chart, and I did an FTP test earlier in the year, and um, kind of gives you prescribed zones to follow, and I kind of just kind of, I pinned it on the top end of that zone, and I just kind of stuck with that. So, I mean, I rode pretty steady throughout the entire bike and kind and of stuck to my plan variability index uh Remember? 1.02 solid okay cool and how many what's the total elevation on the bike um i think it was a work here i think it? it was around three thousand, three thousand feet wow yeah that's definitely legit huh three thousand. so yeah it was just really i mean other than like one hill at the end it was just really really rolly i mean there's never really any flat sections in the course which i kind of like yeah i mean it kind of like breaks it up a little bit and breaks up the packs so i mean i think that's kind of my style of course yeah uh did you end up getting able to to ride with anybody or was there anybody around you definitely and i I think that's another reason why it's good to get out of the water as quickly as you can i mean you definitely don't want to like swim your ass off and be toast but I mean, the sooner you can get out of the water and you can get with, like, good groups. And I'm not saying draft because I hate 
drafting, or I hate the drafters out there, but I mean, there's definitely packed riding, just like the pro fields. I mean, you have the same people that you're riding with throughout the entire day. I mean, you see them, so... 100%. 100%. Yeah, definitely agree. I would stress that, you know. Uh, I mean, it kind of just, just keeps you... in a pack, right? doesn't mean that you're drafting. Right, you and it kind of keeps you... the limits. Yep. You definitely even, keeps you, you know, motivated, to, too, throughout the day. I mean, if you're just exactly. riding completely solo, and that's another... Like, I mean, imagine if you're a professional. I mean, we'd be alone the entire day. Right. Because we'd be probably last on the swim, and just... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truthfully, I mean... <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of why I like being... I mean, that's why I guess we're age groupers for life, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I'd like to think there's more reason than that, but we'll... we'll uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, no, no doubt. I mean, I think that, uh, like you said there, that's going to be extremely motivating and uh, can keep you in check to make sure you're, you're uh, you know, staying honest with your efforts and, and pushing a little bit. I mean, bit, and just so. like the swim, I mean, just having people around you to sort of pace with, I mean, even even if you're not 10 meters back, I mean, if you have a guy that's 100 yards ahead of you, it gives you some motivation rather than just like, all right, I'm just going to stare at my right, bike computer don't. and just ride my Stick own. Stick yeah. right. Yeah, so, absolutely. Definitely motivates you throughout the day. Yeah, cool. And then you came off the bike feeling good? Really good. And I knew the run was so we we rode the course we ro- rode the course um, 2 days before the race, the bike course. And I Dro- drove the course. Drove the course. Yeah. Right, okay. Just checking. <laughs> we didn't ride the course. And, okay. but the bike the run was all um, mostly on trails, so we I had no idea what the run was going to be like and it was not a very fast run i mean it very it, it is packed packed trail but i mean there there are routes that you have to watch your step on and it is kind of rolling so i mean i'm pretty happy with how i ran and looking at what the professionals ran and what the top age groupers ran i mean i've i mean i i feel like my run was back to the way i want it to be i mean no one really passed me on the run and caught about 15 more people on the run course. So I think, I think that's where I made up most of my ground on the race. No doubt. I mean, when you're running, uh, four Oh three splits, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not miles. Just kidding there. I hate, I hate, <laughs> I still, I still have troubles converting. Oh, I can't uh, the do it. Paces to, to miles per, or to, you know, average mile splits. Um, so yeah, when I was tracking, I was like, eh, um, hopefully you're doing all right here. <laughs> you just know 5k, 10k, half marathon. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. And, uh, sorry, one or two loop run? Two loops. Two loops. Okay. Two loops. And I mean, the one thing nice about it is a lot of it's shaded. So, I mean, you do have, it's not a what, hot What run. would you say the temperature was on average for the day? Um... It's pretty ideal, like 60s, 65. Nice. Okay. Very cool. So, yeah, it didn't rain. Winds kind of picked up in the afternoon, but other than that, I mean, it was a pretty ideal day. I mean, it was it was a good day to race. That's cool. Nice. So, I mean, did you really get in the pain cave or what? 
Um, actually, yeah. I mean, I started off pretty, I think, a little too fast. I was, I really wanted to go like one. I was shooting for like low one twenties, mm-hmm. and so I started off at low six minute miles, and um, yeah. By the by the second loop, I just knew like. I don't know. That's when like when your legs start. Yeah, yeah, your legs start feeling a little heavy, and by then, just kind of like, it felt kind of like all alone too. Like you look, there's just so many turns throughout the course, and there wasn't any like long straightaways. So, I just didn't really see anyone ahead of me or behind me, and other than like this one out and back, I just I felt like the <laughs> positions were pretty pretty solidified by then i mean with like 5k to go but um yeah i mean i felt pretty strong the entire day and i mean i look back and i really don't think i would have changed much i mean i feel like it was a pretty successful day and i just made me feel a little bit more confident about canada and running fast there because I think I just I really got to use my my run as my strength because that's at the end of the day that's I mean it's kind of like you you can get off tenth on the bike and you can still mow them down yeah right? yeah well the biggest question I need to ask that maybe didn't didn't fall into place here but did you have the opportunity and if you did did you high five your wife out there on the run course I did not see her one time. <laughs> So the whole one loop on the bike did not see her. There's an out and back, but I think I was. We just missed each other there, and then, yeah. But she's not too far behind me. No, she's not. She because if she was any slower, I would have lapped her on the run, and then I would have. I would have definitely given her a high five then. But <laughs> yeah, she was only what twenty twenty three minutes behind me. Yeah, it's right so. there. Yeah, very cool. Uh, nice. So you ended up fourth in your age group, right? Yep. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you had a big gap on uh, fifth place, uh, but then you have eh, about four minutes behind third, um, but only, you know, eight minutes off the win. Um, yeah. So you're right there in the mix for sure. Huh? Yeah, and like I said, you just look back and it's it's the bike. I mean, second fastest run in the age group on the run and – my swim is i mean i don't lose a ton of time on the swim so i just got to work on the bike a little bit more yeah all right cool well congrats buddy that's a great race thank you yeah and if you guys never race in victoria i would say definitely that should be on your bucket list because it's a it's a great place yeah no that sounds like a fun little trip maybe we can uh, look into that that's cool we even so. looked at uh, houses over there. We were thinking about moving over there. Are you serious? <laughs> that, well, you think about like you think about uh, your house already. You're supposed to live there for at least two years, dude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, you just never hear about any bad things that ever happen in Canada. Like, they just kind of like stay out of everything, which is nice. Yeah. Oh, I used to always, you know, as a hockey player growing up, I used to always say I was going to live in Canada when I was older and I love Canada. Uh, <laughs> the, the funny part is, you say, you know, especially when, like, too far off on a tangent here, but uh, Trump get into office and everybody's like, oh, I'm moving to Canada. Yeah. The thing is, they they won't let you move to Canada. 
<laughs> it's not that easy. Uh, they they got their stuff together up there. But anywho, yeah, um, very good. And so your wife, you said your wife had a good race. Uh, she ended up third in her age group, right? Yeah, and fastest bike and fastest run in her age group. So fastest bike and run. Wow. Yeah. So Very, when she, she says she lost the swim, she yeah. lost the race in the swim, swimming in the thirty-two. It just shows how talented. I mean, any age group is getting. I mean, you just yeah. can't really have like a glaring weakness, or I mean, I wouldn't even say a thirty-two swim is a glaring weakness, but no, I wouldn't either. <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah. So she she was four thirty-seven down from the leader, two fifty-six from, or well, only a minute and a half or yeah. so, minute forty, I guess from from second place so but it's um, amazing because the those first two girls beat me out of the water so that's true huh yeah as good as a swim you had i mean they were Not beating good enough like, in that female 25 to 29 they, age i think they beat most of the female pros too out of the water yeah, t- <laughs> 26 something and 27 and a half yeah. for those two gals so that's pretty impressive so well done becca <laughs> very cool all right so you got some more racing in in store here before Canada, huh? Yeah, it motivated me to sign up for Coeur d'Alene, and then a month later I have the big one in Canada. Very cool. Coming up quick. Yep, so trying to go on my long rides and yeah, something... Have you done Ironman Canada before? Uh, a few times. A few times, yeah, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> but they keep changing the course, so I guess maybe it's not Actually, as much as it could. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The run's pretty, Stable. pretty much the same. Like the same yeah. yeah, I always remember the point on that course where I didn't give you a high five, and I'll just laugh. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we'll use it as motivation this time around, so yep. that we can get a high five going in uh, in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool um nice man well keep training keep it up good work and uh let's let's flip gears a little bit and let's just talk about uh the mental side of things of training and uh you know um maybe you know talking about rest a little bit and just making sure that we're keeping that mojo as i like to call it up here um so you know i, I get a a lot of questions and and people like i see um especially people hopefully quote people that 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 we don't coach um but i'm amazed sometimes that like let's let's talk post-race recovery here real quick and like um you know i see people running like marathons and then they're running like 10 miles the next weekend and i just it just absolutely baffles me um and how you know we're not allowing our bodies to recover and um, especially if you ran a standalone hard marathon, um, I, I typically don't have my clients run for about two weeks um, after you know a marathon or even an Ironman. Um, and so, you know, it's it's just amazing to me how people sometimes kind of push through. And um, actually, found myself saying this to one of my clients recently, where, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, you don't just because you can do, do something doesn't mean you should, right? Or just because you can complete something it doesn't necessarily mean it's what's right for you and your body um and i think that 
a lot of people uh, make that mistake and they they push a little bit too much too early and um, you know it's it's something that uh, we really need to, to consider and you know I'm all about that small step back to make a big step forward or a leap forward right. and um, um, yeah I don't know any general thoughts on that Elliot? well and I know that general feeling too after race you're like I mean you're on cloud nine it's like that's what you've been working for the past several months and you get to that race you have a good race experience and you're just very motivated to train and i just see a lot of people just rushing back into it and even though you may mentally feel like oh i'm ready to go again it's not the case i mean take myself for example i after victoria i'm like wow i have canada coming up i don't have a coach right now so i just have been kind of listening to my body and i kind of rushed into like a longer training weekend the week after victoria and it did not go well like i just felt kind of just not there i mean i got kicked out of masters that wednesday because i so it was three days after my race because i was just swimming so poorly my coach is just like you got to get out of here you're just you look horrible today and I would agree with that, but I was trying to rush back into it, and I felt good, and I had a good race experience. And you really, I mean, I kind of taught myself a lesson. I kind of knew that, but I'm like, maybe I'm ready to just kind of get back into it. Yeah. Sounds to me like we need to uh, maybe get uh, some supervision on your training. Here well, it's hard, too. too. I mean, but you see some, like, pros, like that Sam Long guy. He, he raced Victoria, and the next weekend he raced Boulder. Iron Man. So I mean, yeah, I think people yeah, look mean, at that guys too. Like and, Matt Russell, right? They'd right. Love to do an Iron Man like two weeks <laughs> yeah. before. Hawaii. I mean, he's what he's traveling to Germany and racing two Ironmans, kind of like back to back. So yeah. I think it's I think that that's crazy. And but I mean, I think their their training volumes are high enough where like their body can tolerate that kind of stuff. And yes, well, I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is uh, we are not professional triathletes, right? We're not putting in the overall volume that they are and um and I, it's certainly not justifying the fact that it's smart that they're doing what they're that they are doing um i think that half to iron man is a little bit better than back-to-back iron man's but uh um everybody's different you know for sure mm-hmm. and like i mean i guess maybe because i'm you know just have a million things going on all the time but uh <laughs> I usually really, really look forward to post race because um, it's one less thing that I kind of have to have to do, or you know, it's really ultimately for me it just gives me a little bit more time to focus on something else. Um, but you know, I think that um, it's pretty common for people to get a little bit of, a little bit behind, you know, or or just be very consumed by their race and and they're taking all the extra time that they have and put it towards training or you know preparation for the race and. We need to, to allow our bodies both physically and, if anything, more mentally, um, just take a break from training. And you're not a – so I know a main thing a lot of people would argue with is, okay, they look at that performance management chart on training peaks, and I know you're not a fan of that, but when you see, like, your fitness just drop when you just do absolutely nothing for one or two weeks, I mean, people – it gets in their head and – I think that's kind of what I've dealt with with clients saying I can't take off two weeks because my performance management chart. I mean, how accurate do you think that is? Uh, 
I think that it's complete bullshit. Um, I know, knew I you hated don't... that thing. What's that? I knew you hated that chart. <laughs> I mean, yeah, all, I, I don't really see any benefit from that. You know, um, I've even had people tell me that, oh, you know, it's telling me that I'm, I'm peaking for a race and whatnot. And then if that helps you, gives you confidence and helps you perform better, great. But if at the other side of that it's saying, you know, and especially depending on your race schedule and, you know, A races versus B races and so forth, if you're training a little bit more and not tapering as much for a race and you're saying, oh, my God, my, you know, my fitness level is down, I'm going to do terrible in this race and it's just going to be a negative thought and a, a negative thing in your, in your race strategy that uh, in your mindset that uh, you really don't need. And, you know, it's. Uh, I don't think, I, I guess I, because I don't believe in it, I haven't spent <laughs> enough time really studying it, but um, I, I don't think that it gives you justice and shows you how quickly, when you truly are fit, when you take, you know, one to two weeks off, how quickly you can really come back and then some. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, I don't think it, it takes into account that very well and just the algorithms are just tough to kind of to do that. Um, but, you know, that's also to me it's like you know i think that sometimes uh it does become to grind a bit right when you're training every day and you got a million things to do and it's sometimes it can just be another task or something that you got to complete it for that day um you know we need that that mental break and you know sometimes when we take that break that's what makes us say oh man i really miss doing that right and like that's what makes me want to get back to it and and do my best and and really kick ass with my training right yeah. and uh i think that that gets overlooked and if we don't give ourselves that break to even recognize that then sometimes we miss out on the opportunity to really sharpen you know our minds and get it really into a you know that high mojo factor that i like to call it um but just that highly motivated state so how long would you recommend after a half ironman or an ironman or let's say your season's over with I mean, what would you generally do after those after those races and those situations? I'm going to wisely start that answer with it depends. Because <laughs> um, every coach should be starting that, that answer with it depends. But yeah. uh, <laughs> um, it, uh, you know, it, it really, you know, that, that end of the season race, I really like to see people take, you know, a minimum of a week, like totally off. Um, but really getting into at least some very minimally structured you know um you know again it, it really depends what you what you finish the rate the year off with um and how much kind of running in particular you put into it um but uh you know you you need to let that body de-stress and and tighten up a little bit i mean at the same time i'll, I'll say to, to counter this like especially with a labral tear and a bad kind of hip when i take some downtime and then i get back into training regularly my hip tightens up or, and, and definitely is gets a little bit more sore and so forth and um because you you did allow it to, to tighten but um that's really the only drawback i can i can think of that that can kind of come from from taking it easy and you know it, it typically works itself out pretty quickly um and in the grand scheme of things i think is better because you're you're you know especially when you have an injury or a challenge like that you need to give it the proper amount of time to to rest and um um but it's really you know the longer i've been in the sport you know i just think that that for me anyways the the mental side of it is just so important 
And, you know, if you really want to race at your best and, and achieve your goals and be at your best, you have to put yourself in whatever situation that's going to, you know, give you the ability to be mentally strong, right? Yeah. And, and have that hunger and desire. And, um, you know, if you're not doing that, you're really missing out and you're in likely going to, you know, burn out and, um, either, you know, hopefully, hopefully I say that sincerely walk away from the sport because you're not, you know, doing yourself any justice by, you know, going through and, and not enjoying and, um, being hungry with your training and racing. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's just so important that, uh, that you're ready. If you, you know, you want to be at the level that you're capable of, that you're, you're ready to, to bring it mentally. I mean, and I tell a lot of my clients, I mean, no, not every day is going to be, you're going to look forward to training, but I mean, if you go extended periods of times where you're just treating training like a chore and you're just forcing it in, I mean, maybe it's time to think about something else. I mean, maybe just stick to biking or running only. I mean, it's, you don't have to do triathlon if it's not fun for you. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a very, very passionate hobby that you should have and shouldn't be treating it like a chore. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I think very well said there. And, um, you know, I've had, uh, I think when the, when we had Nate last on and we talked about the mental side of things, I think I brought this up then, but uh, um, I don't want to say hopefully I wasn't the one that actually talked a client out of stopping racing, but, you know, I said, you know, if you're not having fun, you know, stop, right? I mean, life is too short and there's too many other things that we can do with our lives that, uh that are out there that, uh, you know, if, if you're not enjoying yourself, then, then change it, go do something else. And, uh, you know, I think even sometimes, and that's, uh, actually had a, um, one client in particular I'm thinking of that, uh, she had a, a tough winter of training and she just really was struggling and not getting into it. And, um, she ended up taking, um, you know, we did a, basically a month off of, of training, um, with structure of me coaching her. Um, and it was kind of left that, you know, let's, let's give it a month and let's see what happens. And, you know, if you want to come back, great. If not, no worries, you know, um, you know, see what else you can do or, you know, do something else. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, ultimately I think it was about two weeks later, she said, all right, you know, I think I'll be ready. And, uh, she came back a lot hungrier and, uh, she's having a really good start to her season this year, um, because she took that, that break. And so, and I think to that point, it kind of talk about, you know, more of the, the winter challenges. Sometimes I think you do need to really just push through it a little bit and, and try and work some different angles more from the mental side of things to get through it. But if you're, you know, months out from a race, um, and you're just not into it, then I really recommend toning it back. And yes, you're going to lose, you know, some fitness and you could potentially, you know, make yourself stronger for a race. But, <coughs> excuse me, um, if you're not, if you're not in that place there, it's so much better to take a step back and then, um, you know, you can hopefully get yourself back mentally in and then you're going to end up doing a lot better than if you just try to push through it. I mean, what are, what are some things that motivates you, Colin? I mean, I know you live a very busy life and what kind of tells you, okay, today is a day where I have to, I have to kick it in gear if I want to perform well at my race. Yeah, I think for me, it's, it's a lot of time. It's, looking at the the calendar and saying 
all right, you know, we're two months out, we're three months out. Like it's, you got to hit it, dude. It's, it's time to get going. <laughs> and, um, I think that's the biggest motivator to me, but, uh, I still, uh, do a pretty good job. I think of, of, you know, respecting and listening to my body and recognizing when there's too much going on. And, um, I mean, if I, I'm at the point really, if I, you know, wanted to make sure I had all my work done for the day, I, I wouldn't train at all anymore. So it's like, it's figuring out how to balance that, which is definitely challenging and being okay with some of my other things, you know, not being completed or, you know, doing them a little bit differently to be able to, to get my training in because that does in a way, you know, level set me and, and help me to perform better in my job when I'm happier and, and content with, with how things are going there because that's really important to me. Um, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it can be challenging for sure. Um, but, uh, I really, you know, and most people, if you, if you looked at my, you know, training logs, uh, I wish I could tell you that, you know, nine times or nine out of 10 days that, you know, things are all green and, and everything's good from what was planned and what I did, um, during the winter, especially, um, you know, I, I definitely recognize the, the key sessions and try and get the majority of it in, but, uh, there's a lot of red in my training and yeah. even during, you know, well, I think you peak, even told me times. that you told me that this year, which I, I always think about now is that you told me the athletes with all the green on the calendar aren't, are not always the best, best athletes. I mean, and I, I've really taken that to heart and I'm like, okay, I just, I don't feel good today. Like I just don't have it in me to do this bike threshold workout. And I just, either going to improvise or just not going to do it because i'm just not physically and mentally in it right now yeah totally i mean i think it's even just a, a general mindset of us as americans versus a lot of other cultures um you know like let's take the kenyans from running and so forth and if you look at their coaches you know they'll say okay go you know run hard for um you know this many intervals or something and they'll give some very general recommendations but they won't say okay go run you know one mile repeats you know and as soon as you hit that mile you stop and you slow down you recover and then you do it again right or you know okay today you know those training plans that are all done by miles like okay i need to run six miles today so i'm going to go out and i'm going to run exactly six miles yeah. um you know i think that we definitely need to have we can't take that too far and be like oh, i don't feel like it today i don't feel like today and just keep slacking over yeah, and over and we, yeah. we need to we need to develop that that mental strength to push through some of that but it's totally true like what how many times have like could we have finished an interval and kept going or, or gone a little bit faster or something but we were completely consumed by a specific pace or we were consider uh, completely consumed by a specific distance and um you know we need to recognize that things aren't going to go exactly to plan every day and that's okay right and the more accepting of that the more we're going to be better off and um you know that that kind of goes both ways where again we could have better than than average or expected days and then we're going to have those those lower than expected days and well that's uh, what i always, find hard about if you have a coach and you have a, a training schedule that they give you with very detailed workouts I feel guilty not getting them in. And I know a lot of people feel the same way. And, I mean, how do you I, – I try my best to explain to my athlete, the people that I coach, that 
you don't need to get in every single workout. But then again, like you said, like, I don't want an excuse every single day. Like, there are many days I don't feel like working out, and I, you just got to get it in. But Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, actually, while you're saying that, I kind of think about it. I'd say I, I criticize or am more critical of my athletes typically when they do more than yeah. when they do less than yeah. what I prescribed. Um, because um, I think that uh, people end up, you know, overdoing it and not uh, overtraining, I think, is a word that's overused and um, is not something that is as common in a true sense of what what overtraining actually is, um, you know, for most people. But when you're going out and, you know, you're always pushing and going a little bit further, a little bit further, um, but especially, I am probably most critical of people when, you know, they're supposed to be recovering and so forth and they're going just that little bit too hard and so forth. And Or kind of um, like what we know. were talking about before, um, before this podcast about bike speeds and training rides. Right, totally. I mean, some people just, they're all about average speed and they, that's all they care about at the end of the workout. I average 23 miles an hour on my training rides and they don't really follow like recovery intervals and warm ups and cool downs. And I think it just gets in people's heads. Yep. Yep. Because all that really matters at the end of the day is what that workout looks like on Strava. Yep. Well, isn't that what matters? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is what matters, right? Uh, you know, I need to get those kudos and uh, and show off uh, what I'm capable of. And in that posting training. your workouts on uh, social media, right? Your humble right. brags. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love Strava, and uh, I think it's good, and it's it's a great network that can motivate people. And you can see, wow, okay, this person's doing that, and that's awesome. And I want to do that, or I want to be better than that person, and you know, in a competitive. Uh, way like that, I think it can be really beneficial, but um, we got to remember everybody's situation's different. And, um, you know, I, I really don't care what my training logs look like per se. Um, you know, I care about how I perform and, and if I'm able to do my best on race day. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, there is, I always say there is no shortcuts and secrets in triathlon. You got to put in the work, but, you know, you can't too much work is is not always gonna you know equate to to becoming you know better uh, you know certainly from a volume perspective and just generally um if we're overdoing it and i'm not allowing our bodies to recover then we're not gonna really we're not gonna absorb and properly um be able to improve from from the workouts we've done so do you think the general triathlete population overdoes it or do you think they need to train more um, I think there's a pretty heavy mix of both. Okay. Um, I, I, I talk to a lot of people, especially at Ironmans. It's, it's amazing to me still when you go to Ironmans and uh, had a had a great experience. or a lot of fun at Santa Rosa this year, being on the um, the being one of the certified coaches and and focusing primarily on the newbies and the first timers mm-hmm. and like talking to them and like hearing like still there's just like so many different philosophies on training and like how much people have done and like you hear stories over the years of like this person's longest ride was 50 miles before the Ironman and it's just like holy crap how could you actually do that and, you know and think you're really going to be ready for this thing right um, but then you know depending on your goals again it all depends um, you know that very well could be sufficient to get you in before 17 hours right and if that's all your goal then then so be it yeah. um, but 
you know, I think that uh, you need to be doing what's what is proof to you and, and is going to validate and, and provide you with the confidence to know that you're going to be able to do what you want to do, um, you know, on race day if that's really what what matters to you. Right. And you know, to some people, right? You know, whether you got 25th in your age group or 50th, right? You know, whatever it may be. Um, at the end of the day, we're all getting the same finisher medal, right? So, um, you know, it's it's really figuring out what your goals are, and then making sure that you're doing what what's needed to to actually help get you there. Right. So, and that's that's what I love about coaching is that everybody has different goals, and um, you know, for the most part, I I rarely push people into goals, or uh, I really like them certainly to lead what they're doing or deciding in those goals because that's what's going to really you know it's not my goal it's your goal right and uh um i think that you can give them some ideas and um hopefully help them to push themselves a little bit but uh you don't want to be overdoing it and um and pushing that you know being too aggressive or at the same time not lofty enough with your goals to to make it worthwhile and to help you get you motivated enough to do what you need to do so going back to the, uh, so let's say you have a, a bad race and you don't hit your goals and I mean what would be your advice for people, to continue on stay motivated in the sport, I mean the last thing I want people to do when they're. They don't reach goals is just quit. And, totally. I mean what are but, what are your what are your ways to help people in that process when they when they don't have the race they want. Well, I mean, I guess I'll say um, that I don't think that going out and instantly training harder is is going to be the the answer. Typically, I mean, if you you know again you had life happening or you know you just didn't put in the work and that's what equated to a poor performance, then I mean you really I shouldn't say nobody but yourself to blame. But you know you can't you're not there's no shortcuts again you got to be able to do what you need to do and put in that time so um you know outside of that conversation if i had somebody that that i truly felt like put in the work and they didn't achieve their goals uh i would start to really question you know mentally what we need to focus on to get that person to perform hopefully like we've seen and you know set them up to to be able to do with their race strategy and so forth because of what they've done in training um so i think that the the mental side of it is is the biggest piece of it um, but you know, it still kind of goes back and, um, I'd say, you know, resting and, and taking a short break is still can be, can be really powerful because, yeah. you know, that, that is going to validate, do you actually really want to do what it takes to get to this goal? Right. You know, it didn't work out this time. Yeah. Sorry. That sucks. But, um, you know, you have to, do, do you want to put in, you know, make the sacrifices and, and do what it needs to be done to get there? And, you know, you may lose, may see people fall off or not, you know, accept that challenge and so forth. But most of the people in triathlon are hardworking, dedicated, and they're probably going to step up to that challenge. Yeah. And I mean, um, and I can use my, I mean, I've been, we've been both been in the sport for a long period of time and we've had our fair share of like not so great performances. I mean, one thing that one performance that particularly sticks out of my head when I just felt devastated after, after the race was walking that entire Hawaii marathon. I mean, I still get the chills when I just kind of have flashbacks going, like I just never walk in a race. And it was like the only race where I, I just felt 
completely defeated and it didn't help that it was probably on the biggest stage where people are actually watching you and I don't know I took a big break after that race and you just I asked myself like why am I even in this sport and at first it was kind of like oh it's kind of kind of one I don't know in some in some ways like okay you're kind of sponsored by people and you kind of care what other people think but at the end of the day what I told myself is like I really am in this for myself and like it's for personal betterment and I just I like the way it makes me feel like when I'm racing in the moment and that's kind of what made me come back so I think you're right just taking a break and really thinking about why you're in the sport in the first place really helps totally totally um but yeah you know and i think also maybe you know speaking to somebody speaking to friends speaking to a coach or whatnot and you know figuring out what needs to change and so forth is is really important and um it's with all these things again i've said depends quite a bit out here but i do think it's it's important and that's where hopefully you know working with some people that have some experience and understand maybe some of those lows that you're you've been battling and and can help you get through that can be really really beneficial there yeah and i think it's a very underrated thing in the sport i mean i think a lot of coaches have really good plans that are they're proven to be successful if you follow them i mean if you follow any kind of plan and you hit the numbers and your training i mean you're not going to have a crappy race i mean you do the training you do the work you're going to probably have a good race but it's the mental side of things that i feel like we could really help people on is i mean i've been through the highs and lows in the sport and i i know the feeling of not performing the way i want to or not hitting a goal or i mean but i think that's the joy of the sport i mean not every race is going to go as planned no, totally. I mean, I think that's where you can often find the the true colors of somebody, right? Is you know how they bounce back or how they respond to a poor performance, and you know, um, hopefully, you are the one that you know that steps up to the challenge and uh, and decides to take yourself to the next level. Um, but uh, yeah, that that is you know the beauty and um, where again I think that that men, men, our mental state and where we're at is is absolutely critical and uh if we're not focusing on that and respecting where we're at we're we're really missing out on what we potentially could be capable of yeah cool well i think that's about uh good little enough tangent for us huh on uh <laughs> breaks and and uh you know the mental side of the house and the mojo and so forth so no it's we'll, an interesting uh, topic and i mean i feel i think actually i would recommend you guys uh, for all our listeners um i think a really good mental training book is well my go-to whenever i need like a little pickup is um chris mccormick's chris mccormick's book um i'm here to win I, I like that because he just throws like little mental notes on what he what goes through his mind in training and racing and i feel like a lot of people could really benefit if they if they could use any of that information in that book i mean i think he's he's a competitor and i mean his philosophies are kind of old school but i mean i kind of like it yeah no it's uh absolutely yeah he just has some good motivating stuff and right. you know i guess uh maybe this shows how much i i think about and and 
recognize the the value and motivation but i just opened up my audible account here on my phone and um here's some of the books that i've listened to or have uh, gotten through most of them um elite minds how uh winners think um the way of the seal um think like uh blah blah, blah like a navy seal um unbeatable mind can't hurt me by david goggins is probably the most made motivational book i've, I've read to date here oh becca read uh, that book you told her to read that one yeah yeah it's awesome um first what it takes to win by rich froning the crossfit national champ or world champ uh four years in a row should remember that but um you know game changers endure my body i guess that one's a little bit more just triathlon in general but let your mind run um all kinds of different things mindset the new uh, psychology of uh sports success um these are some that uh, the champion mindset by joanna zeiger um these are all like the ones at the top of my list here um that uh i've i've either listened to or like i said in the process of so um if you have some time or you want to try and take that to the next level um then i would definitely um recommend that you you look into uh, either talking to somebody about it or, or reading and listening a little bit more about it because i think it can go a long way I mean, I really think any any serious athlete could benefit from like a sports psychologist. I mean, I I just feel like it's such a big part of the the sport, especially in like endurance sports when it's tough. I mean, it's not an easy sport to be in, and it takes no, hard work. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there is. I guess let's give uh, Nate, who we did have on the show, um, a plug here. Um, if I can bring up his. Uh, website real quick here um but uh oh wait that's his uh shoot i should have this queued up here i can um, put it on our blog too yeah let me see yeah mental grit consulting so mentalgritconsulting.com um he's based in utah but uh he definitely opened my mind to a few things to think about from both training and and racing and um he has some really good tools that he uses that uh i think can help people get to the next level and um maybe be what the that is that you need if you if you're struggling you know mentally to, to get through something or so forth so um lots of options out there to help better ourselves and you know again this and i think this just leads to being better and stronger in life as well right it may be applying directly to triathlon but it it goes far beyond that and uh, yeah. i think you know just better ourselves and generally it makes us tougher and, and more disciplined right exactly i completely agree yeah cool all right well uh thank you very much everybody for listening uh certainly let us know if you have any questions or any other topics and things you want us to cover here but uh with that, it's a thicker racing here uh, in the U.S., so uh, I hope everybody's racing well, and uh, we certainly had some great performances uh, ourselves and by uh, athletes we're coaching, so uh, hopefully you guys are in that mix and, and doing well, and uh, keep, it post keep us posted on that. Thanks for listening, everyone. All right, take care, everybody. Yeah.